Good morning and welcome everybody. You are listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88, depending on where you are across Australia. Positively different radio in the morning, Monica. I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. Do you know what I'm loving about today in particular? What are you loving about today in particular? I have a surprise for you. I'm not sure. (laughs) Sometimes I like surprises and, and Seeing as this surprise is coming from you, Monica, yeah. I'm nervous. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we will find out about that after our song break in just a minute. But I did want to mention to our beloved listeners that you are actually listening to the delayed broadcast. Yeah. So if you want to listen to the live show, all you got to do is jump on faithfm.com.au and you can listen to the live stream there or... Grab the TuneIn app, simply download it to your device. And that's actually probably the best way of doing it. Yeah, it's so easy. It's a free app. I mean, there is a paid one, but all you do is choose a free one. And just search for Faith FM Australia on that. And you can listen to your device. You can plug in like your Bluetooth in your car and, you know, the gym, wherever you're going. Your headset, the Hobbit. Yeah. And you've got a perfect signal right across Australia. Anywhere on the planet. And you listen to the live show. Yeah, and then you can join in. We give away free stuff. We've got quizzes with prizes. You can do a question of the day. You can pester Lyle like I do. <laughs> or you can pester Monica. Like nobody does because I'm nice and no one would do that to me. Nah. <laughs> you can even donate to charity because we are um, we are sending Lyle on a bit of a, a cycling trek and we're raising yes. funds for the Aboriginal well, Benefits Please Foundation. do so. Please do so. Call us in yeah, and, and absolutely. Uh, donate to You don't need to be listening to the live stream for that one actually. You can donate to charity anytime. Just call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. And we'll be back right after this with some more great programming, great music and great Bible studies. Oh yeah, we're going through Galatians, aren't we? We are indeed. I'm really looking forward to that. Deep theology this time. And now time for a song and then our surprise. Uh, We're going to be listening to the Sing Team as they bring to us Satisfied in You. I have lost my appetite And the flood is welling up behind my eyes So I eat the tears I cry And if that were not enough They know just the words To cut and tear and prod When they ask me where's your God Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? I can remember when you showed your face to me As a deer pants for water So my soul thirsts for you And when I behold your glory You so faithfully renew Like a For my fainting flesh I am satisfied in you When I'm staring at the ground It's an inbred feedback loop That brings me down So it's time to lift my brow And remember better days When I love to worship you In all your ways 
the sweetest songs of praise Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? I can remember when you showed your grace to me As a deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you And when I survey your splendor, you so faithfully renew Like a bed of rest for my fainting flesh I am satisfied in you Let my sighs give way to songs that sing about your faithfulness Let my pain reveal your glory as my only real rest Let my losses show me all I truly so disturbed I am satisfied in you I am satisfied in I am satisfied in you I am satisfied in you I am satisfied in you Welcome back, everybody. That was the Sing Team, Satisfied in You, here on Faith FM. And, Mon, do you know what day it is today? 
Uh, I do know that in America right now it is National Napping Day. <laughs> is that National Napping Day? Do you want to take day? a nap on air or something? <laughs> I had no idea it was yeah. National We should celebrate napping day. right now. Everyone pull over. Let's all have a nap. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is the this is the uh, the not morning person who is a breakfast show host <laughs> speaking right here. Naps get me through, Lyle. Naps get me through. Have you have you mastered being a uh, a morning person? A morning person? Uh, I was thinking about this morning. We haven't spoken about this for a yeah, we days. haven't. Yeah, and I've been implementing a lot of the tips that people have sent me. And I don't forget to keep sending them in, by the way. Yeah, and I, I do. I, I'm, I'm happy to get up in the morning now, but I know that if tomorrow I was no longer working this job, I would definitely sleep in. So I don't know if it's a true conversion yeah, okay. yet. Well, hey, it's early days. <laughs> it's early, early days. days. It's early, early days. days. <laughs> All right. So what are we got coming up with the quiz? Okay. So this is a what city am I quiz. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to give you the first clue. And if you think you know the answer, give us a call 1-800-FAITH-FM or text us 0491-064-669 or jump on our Facebook, Faith FM Australia, and tell us what the answer to this question is. What city am I? And the clue is, out of this city came a ruler over Jerusalem whose origins are from ancient times. Mm, there's two of these cities in ancient Israel. You need to know exactly which one of the two. If you think you know, give us a call. We will send you a free DVD, The Case for Christ. There you go. Lyle, what is today? Seeing as you asked me, what was so special about today? Oh, today, on this day in 1622. Yes. You you would have known this, right? Yeah, totally. 1622. (laughs) Everything about 1622 rings a bell. Uh, Ignatius Loyola and Francis Xavier were canonized. Oh, really? Which does not mean that they were stood in front of a cannon and blasted away. <laughs> no. That means that uh, in the Roman Catholic tradition, that means that they were made into saints. And you could, oh, wow. from that point forward, officially uh, pray to them and so forth. Do you have to like um, have achieved a bunch of stuff off a checklist or something before you can be canonized? Yes. In, in, the, in the Catholic tradition, you have to, um, there have to be at least two confirmed miracles associated with your ministry. And uh, yeah, there's, a, there's a various list of, of different things that require uh, canonization. Oh, but this doesn't always happen like in their lifetime. Have they already been, you know, long dead by this time? No, no, no. This does not happen in their lifetime. Okay. so And usually this is, and typically so, you know, if you think about the Jesuit order that was formed in uh, 1534, uh, 1622 is many, many years after that. And so typically this is a very, very long process. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, weren't they thinking of canonizing... Um John Paul II? Yeah. Yeah, and they're rushing that one through. That one will probably go through a lot quicker. Oh, okay. Righto. Righto. Yeah. yeah. And um, Ignatius Loyola, I think I've been to his, his church, a cathedral for him up on a mountain in, um, in Croatia. Yeah. yeah. I think I took a picture and um There's a bunch of churches around the world that mm. are dedicated to uh, Ignatius Loyola and Francis Xavier for that matter and several other of the uh, founding Jesuits. Um, there's some very significant churches in Rome, of course, where they have their headquarters. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, fascinating, fascinating organization. So, uh, can I just ask? What Probably is- one of the most controversial organizations ever. Yeah, to exist. absolutely. But what exactly is the difference between like a Jesuit and like, I don't know, a regular Catholic believer? Okay, so a Jesuit, the, the Jesuit order, and of course in the, in the Catholic tradition, you have many of these different orders mm-hmm. that um, specialize in different areas. And so the Jesuit order um, is primarily focused, uh, as, as you notice, you look at so, so many schools around on education, um, and um, that's, the, that's their focus. Well, actually, that's been their focus for a very long time. And their agenda with that, of course, is to be able to educate the leaders of the world, because if you can educate a generation, 
mm. then you change an entire society in one generation. Mm-hmm. And so it's slower than um, direct political action, mm-hmm. but more sure in many ways. Okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, yes, it's, it's, I mean, there's, they've had direct political action definitely down through the years and they're still involved in direct pol- political action in many parts of the world. The Jesuits are sent to the problem areas of the world typically. Okay. Um, and so um, a main area of Jesuit operation in you know, the last 30, 40, even 50 years has been the Middle East. Oh, really? Hmm. But I don't really feel like anything's been fixed there. I feel like the Middle East is yes, this is a very interesting observation, isn't it? Um, Okay, and it depends on what you know the the agenda is at the time as to uh, whether the agenda is you know as to what is actually going to take place. So when you say they have like a special education, like what precisely does that mean? Are they like taught something different to? Well, it takes twelve years to become a Jesuit, so you've got you've got to be fully indoctrinated. What are they learning? Are they learning like kung fu or something? Like what does a Jesuit learn for? 12 years that makes him a Jesuit. Well, I haven't done the course. Are there women Jesuits, so by the way? No, there's not women I, Jesuits. So in the Catholic okay. tradition, you, there's no such thing as, um, as as women who are priests. Okay, okay. Um, and uh, and so, no, there's no women who are Jesuits. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously there's women who you know serve and work alongside the Jesuits mm-hmm. in, in many different um, forms. But and so their education is basically keyed up to be like, Let's take over the world in a subtle manner. Well, that's an interesting. Um, it's an interesting question that you ask. Um, there's. Um, if I just dig this up really quickly, let me just pull this out for you. Because I have to admit, and I don't want to offend anyone when I say this, but I've heard the word Jesuit used almost like an insult. Like, oh, you're Jesuit. Like I've heard it like that. So I've always like, oh, is it is it like a negative thing? One historian, one historian, um, Renee Fulop Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book the power and secret uh, the power and secret of the Jesuits, he wrote this never before in the course of the world's history had such a society appeared. The old Roman Senate itself did not lay schemes for world domination with greater certainty of success. Oh wow, yeah, so this is a globalist organization, and many of the globalist organizations are a little bit faded into the background these days because globalism you know is really uh, a part of what we 're living in these days. Um, but they're still, you know, very much there. And the fact that we have a Jesuit uh, pope at this particular time mm-hmm. would have been unheard of, um, not not even that many years ago at all. Oh, um, if you look at the history of the Jesuits, if you go back to uh, 1776, for instance, they were mm-hmm. banned by the Catholic Church because they got so far out of control. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. These guys were serious megalomaniacs. Um, uh, you know, it, it almost sounds like various points of their history. It almost sounds like um, like almost like a government, like a um, like I don't know, like a, like an army, and then you have this like one group of like renegades, like a bunch of highly skilled assassins, or like the A Team who go. It's a, a para- paramilitary organization. Yeah. So it's formed by a Spanish general. Um, it's 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 um, structured along military lines. The the leader is called the general. Um, they have military orders. They act as soldiers. Wow. They, um, you know, they're basically the, the the soldiers of the Pope, so so to speak. And uh, and yeah, so in 1776, they're so out of control, they were actually banned. Um, but that's not all. You can uh, find in France in 1594, they were banned in France. 
Um, the Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1647 banned them. In Switzerland, the Constitution banned them. I mean, this is the Constitution Whoa. from 1848 to, seven, to 1973, and you had the same in Norway. Constitutionally, they're banned from the country. Um, and then Republican Spain in the 1930s banned them. Abraham Lincoln proposed banning the Jesuits. Um, and, you know, it's interesting that our former uh, treasurer here in Australia, Australia, Peter Costello, said, you know, there's two Catholic churches in Australia. There's the Jesuits and there's the mainstream Catholic church. And he wasn't sure which one was the more powerful of the two. What were they doing that got themselves so banned? Uh, political intrigue okay. is the short answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, got a lot of people upset that, uh, yeah, so all of these you know, kind of things happen. Do you know, I think it's kind of funny because um, I just, as some of the listeners might know, I've just moved up to um, New South Wales from Victoria like two and a half weeks ago. And um, on my way to uh, work, I'd often drive past a Jesuit school. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and there are lots of, uh, you find Jesuit schools and, and they run some of the best schools in the country. Um, in fact, one third, recent times, one third of our front bench here in Australia was Jesuit trained. Wow. Um, of course, you know, Donald Trump and, you know, uh, Obama. And you can go back through the list um, really? of people who have been uh, Jesuit educated. Of course, um, Bill Clinton, famously from Georgetown University, is a Jesuit university. Uh, and, and you can start to see here where they've been able to influence mm. the political leaders of the world and create political leaders from within people that they've been able to educate themselves. Would you say it was a good thing? Um, no. From from my perspective and my understanding of the Bible, I don't think that we should be mixing uh, religion and politics together. In fact, history bears that out. The Bible teaches it. Uh, in the constitution of ancient Israel, there was a separation of church and state, and we should keep it that way. Amen. However, we need to continue on. We have Adele coming in with a guest interview uh, coming up next. And before we go to Adele with her interview, we're going oh, to... Oh, one of my favorite songs, Human Nature, People yeah. Get Ready. I love this song. It's a wonderful, uplifting tune. Hope you enjoy it. Stay right with us. We'll be back after the interview. There's a train coming You don't need no baggage And just to get on board All you need is faith Out in the diesel You don't need no ticket No, no, just thank the Lord There's a train coming You don't need no baggage And just to get on board All you need is something To hear the diesel humming You don't need no ticket Just thank the Lord And people get ready For the train to join Picking up passengers 
Back to Faith FM. It's awesome having you with us this morning. And joining us again in the studio is Carl and John. It's beautiful having you both back again. And it was fantastic talking to to you yesterday. And it was so interesting, you know, with the the information that you shared about mentoring and serving the community. I thought today, hopefully, we can dig deeper into the, the service side of things. So you've both obviously got a heart for ministry, a heart for God, and a heart for other people. Um, in terms of ministry and service, how do you, you marry those two things? I, I don't. I think it's not so much a marriage as they are a part of Christian DNA. They're embedded in our identity. It's who we are. And a lot of times, it's not that people don't believe in God or people don't like church. It's just that they don't like the view that they've been given. <laughs> Ah. It's the it's the perspective. It's, it's so looking how, from the outside through the window, thinking, oh. <laughs> yeah, this is this is not quite it. But mm. um, one of the things that we did in uh, the the states when we were there serving, Dad constantly, Pastor Neesmith, he constantly uh, said, 
we cannot just serve. We have to develop. We have to make an impact. And what that looked like was more than just serving for the purpose of asking people to join the church. Mm. The community can see through the idea that we're only doing this because we want if you to be join a, the club. If you join the club, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And it's a those the the and so for that reason. The question was always proposed, how is this going to change the community? We don't, you know, there's an old saying, you can teach a man to fish and he'll eat a lifetime. But mm. if you give him a fish, he'll only eat for that, that meal. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that, that that drives the questions. We have to ask, why are we really doing what we're doing? Now, don't mm. get me wrong. I believe that it is important that when you serve well and you've lifted up Christ and his character, when people say, who are you? It's important to say who you are. Mm. I'm a Christian. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. I attend this church. We do this as a part of who we are. Mm. And that's important because we, we, we miss it's that ownership. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. You, you have to do that. Yeah. For me, um, I was raised in a Baptist tradition, and I attended Catholic school, and my best friend was a Jehovah's Witness. And then uh, the Nation of Islam caught my attention. Okay. But it wasn't until I became a Seventh-day Adventist uh, until I realized that uh, the message we have is a golden message. Mm. And it's too good to keep it to ourselves. It's all right to be uh, insulated from the world, but not isolated. Mm, true. So I was so excited as the woman at the well, I had to go and tell someone and that's just been a part of my existence ever since joining the church to share uh, what I experienced with other folk, especially folk that may have felt too guilty or ashamed of maybe attending a church or seeing themselves as becoming spiritual, mm. mind, spiritually minded. So I, I always thought to myself, uh, there was a time if you had seen me on the streets of Philadelphia, you never, ever would have ma imagined me becoming a, 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 a minister of the gospel. OK, mm -hmm. maybe you would have said I'll, I'll be in jail or in my grave soon. So uh, I just believe what God has done for me and he, and he can do it for others. And it's my job to make sure that I take my experience and go to the communities where there are diamonds in the rough mm. waiting to be discovered as mm. I was. I think that is a real factor because sometimes people think, oh, I have to be this good before I could go to church. You know, even if they are spiritually interested in something, they can feel that they're, you know, not quite at a level where it's, you know, they'd be okay to walk into church. And how can we create church environments or faith environments or spiritual environments where people feel that they can just come to us no matter what their life stage is? Well, I, I, I want to share some practical ways, but before I do, I want to, I think it's important for church members in any, any congregation or, or community of believers to remember that God has not called the church because of what it has attained he has called the church because of how far it is removed from him. Hmm. And um, and that is, if you look at li physical, literal Israel, I should say, hmm. um, they at some point decided that um, we are superior. And they forgot that God called them because they were not. Hmm. And they were the least. And, yeah. um, and that's who we are. We are the least. And I think if we convey that in our efforts 
and uh, we approach service with a heart of humility, it'll make a big mm. difference. But there are some practical things. I think one thing that we have to do is our church budget should reflect our ministry focus. And um, one of the one of the things that one of the churches uh, I've pastored very 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 large churches mm. and and very 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 small mm. churches, <laughs> and um, I've I've served on as a lead for 22 members as well as for 3,800 members. Wow. Just and a slight difference. It's a, <laughs> a, a, a few numbers. It's, mm. nothing, it's nothing but a number. Mm. But uh, the truth of the matter is what, what, what we saw was that when we began to ask the question, how will this affect the community, very little of our resources were actually allocated with that principle in mm. mind. Mm-hmm. We were having deaconess days and we were having... So it's all internal. It's work. all internal. Mm. And so we began to focus outward. I remember mm. our, we have a ministry called Pathfinders. It is, I work with mentoring with the president, with President Barack Obama of the United States, oh, wow. his uh, mentoring initiative. I was the mm. faith leader for the Midwest and Columbus, amazing. Ohio. What an opportunity. It was, it was huge, but it was from service. I loved it. Mm. It was, it was great. You know, we had a new president, so I don't have a job there, but <laughs> <laughs> you got a job here. It's yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wonderful. But, um, mm. it, the point that I wanted to make was that we had, um, the opportunity to fill some gaps and mm. those gaps were not filled in our local church by doing things as we had always done it. Mm-hmm. And so our Pathfinder ministry, which I believe is the number one faith-based mentor ministry in the world, mm. uh, we recalibrated to focus on the community. We oh, partnered with community idea. organizations and we uh, marketed it. And this is your thing, Adele, so I know mm. you love this. We repackaged it and repositioned it as the premier mentor min- effort for c- community young people. Oh, and perfect. so then we got a $100,000 grant from mm-hmm. the state that said, this is amazing. We want to help do what you're doing. Mm. And um, it, all types of... And so we repositioned ourselves. We said, mm. we're not just here for us, our kids. We're yeah. here for all Everyone. children. Absolutely. Mm. And that's a practical way. So mm. to make sure the ministry resources align with the ministry focus. When you mm. have uh, uh, when you have ministry alignment, you will get uh, missional momentum. Good point. I like that. Yeah. Mm. Well, for me... Uh, it's important that we realize, for example, I had a neighbor uh, that invited me to attend their church. And I said, well, thank you very much. Uh, I serve as a pastor of a local church and you know, I'm quite busy. And then the next week they would invite me to church. And every time I, I would turn around, they would invite me to church. And I, I thought to myself, I told them I was a minister of the gospel and already uh, in love with Jesus Christ. But they, they continued to invite me to church. And I realized that one thing we should always be mindful of is to extend an invitation to a, a neighbor, to mm. a friend or to a co-worker. And if the person should come to visit the church, uh, greet them in the parking lot. You, you don't have to, to wait. See them. <laughs> and, and not mm. only greet them in, in the parking lot, but invite them to sit with you and mm-hmm. your family. Invite them to go home for dinner mm-hmm. uh, if possible. But one thing that touched me, not only was the lady uh, witnessing to me for two years, but when I, it took me three attempts to go into the church. Twice I could not go in. Really? I just felt, I just couldn't do it. I didn't, I didn't start my day to go to church. I started my day to go do a money transaction, mm. and I realized I was in the vicinity of the church, and I said, well, maybe I can hit two birds with one stone, drop in, give her a few minutes, wave at her and say goodbye, and then I, I would consider ourselves even. Mm. But what happened, I went into the church on the third attempt. Uh, 
I went in, and the first thing that happened, the greeters not only gave me a bulletin, but they gave me a hug. Now, while they were hugging me, I was holding my back pocket because they were violating my space. Mm. Okay, Jeff, because I was coming from an environment, (laughs) you know, you have to always be on guard. Mm -hmm. But they gave me a hug, and then I asked them if they knew what the person I was looking for was, and they said upstairs, and then the usher escorted me. In other words, I, I was a visitor and they they read, uh, rolled out the red carpet treatment for me. Mm. Good customer service can go a long way. Yeah. Don't take a, gr- a guest for granted. Uh, we should shake their arm off uh, <laughs> before they leave, and they should have multiple mm. invitations to go home. Mm. Uh, we should exchange numbers with them, get their number, befriend them, and do all you can. Mm. And not just talk about coming back to church, but do you bowl or do you this or do? Yeah. So yeah. you know, mix up your your religion. In, in your relationship with more than just uh, Jesus, because Jesus meant the people where they were. Mm. And then yeah. he encouraged them to follow him. Yeah, and he was interested in their lives too. In their, in their well-being. It, w- it wasn't like, all right, we've met, now just straight to business. It's like, I'm going to connect with you in a meaningful way and help you in a meaningful way mm. and just build people up. And sometimes as Christians, we really can forget that. We get so into a pattern of what we're doing and just kind of go, Oh, yeah, we, we should be doing that way. <laughs> sure, sure. You mentioned yesterday that you had an impressively large food ministry, Carl. That was reaching about 12,000 people. How did you get into that? Per month. 12,000 per, per inc- month. It's incredible. For years. Mm. Yes. Well, I had been praying for the Lord to help me to identify something in particular I could do, especially with my uh, frame of reference and my street involvement prior to coming uh to the church. Mm. So one day I was shopping and I was in a large supermarket and I saw them discarding some food and I asked a simple question, why are you throwing away such good food? And then the, the management explained that they have a high standard and once this food is broken apart or whatever, uh, they get rid of it. It doesn't have to be bad. It just doesn't have good uh, showcase appearance. Mm. Mm. And uh, the management said they would speak uh to their upper management, and they agreed to give me a, a tryout. They said you would have to be at 4 o'clock in the morning to pick up whatever we would donate Ooh. to you. And I was so thrilled I didn't need an alarm clock. <laughs> it, it didn't matter if it, it rained or if it was cold <laughs> or whatever the case is. I would mm. get up and go out 4 o'clock in the morning because you had to get in and get out of their way. And once I got the food, you know, I, I started out with a Dodge Omni hatchback. We, they loaded me down. I was in there like, you know, a crushed sardine. <laughs> And I didn't know what to do with the food, so I just started going, knocking on doors mm. and asking people would they want Did some they food, and they mm. said yes. Mm. But some po- uh, folk were nervous and anxious. They didn't know who I was, mm. and they called the police uh, saying that I was using the food to cover uh, oh, a drug drug okay. deals. The police took me to, to meet the, the mayor because they said, you need to let people know what you're doing. Mm. The mayor invited the media. And the media came out with us on a food distribution day, and we wound up on the front page. And after that, uh, the Lord just mushroomed the ministry, and we started a a 501c3 or a non-government organization. Mm -hmm. And the food kept coming, and then we started getting other materials and able to take care of other needs that existed in the community. So I've Mm -hmm. always uh, found it a joy to do wasn't what well, wasn't expecting of me to do as a minister. I didn't have to get up at four o'clock in the morning, but because God had directed me to do it, I was more than willing to do it. And I wouldn't recommend, but I was doing it seven days a week. Oh wow! 
But now we, of course, we we've um, sort of toned it down a little bit, and we recommend that you grow into your ministry instead mm. of trying to start off big with a big splash. Mm. You know, just start off with with what you can manage, and then grow into it. But I was on seven day weeks, and I had no complaints. <laughs> and he was on fire Beautiful. for the Lord, mm. and I think you know I'm sure there are viewers here that I mean listeners that may not be uh, in, in, involved in a local church mm. or looking for answers, mm. trying to find their way. And I think one thing that's important to remember is that there are a lot of people. People that will not meet or hear God's voice in a sermon. That's true. It will actually be in service. Mm. And so I'd encourage someone that's trying to find their find their way, looking for answers, looking for their ministry, get out there and serve. And, and as you serve, you're going to begin to to see where God wants you to fit in, in his body as his hands and his mm. feet. And so meet him in service when you can't meet him, when you don't hear him in sermons. Mm. What do you do, though, too, when you're... I don't know, sometimes it can be a bit scary when you're saying to God, let me be what you want me to be. How do you get past that fear and just go with what God wants you to do? I went skydiving once and... um I for a split second I was scared to actually jump out of the plane. Mm. So the the tandem uh, jumper, the professional, he kind of pushed me a bit. They so just went. <laughs> yes, I went. And I think that mentoring mm. happens a, a bit like that. Mm. I think you just you, you find someone that can say, "Hey, you tell them I want to take this journey, Adele. Mm-hmm. I really want to take this journey with the Lord, and I need you to help me." And you yeah. let Adele get there mm. right behind you and push you out of that plane. I look at the life of Christ and. Uh, I look at his sacrifice. I, I look at the torment he experienced. I look. Th- I look at his death on the cross, and I'm sure he didn't. Um, he wasn't excited mm. about it, the pain and the mm. suffering, but he did it because he loves us. So when I look at uh, anything that has t- any fear that might come up, come around because of what you're trying to do, I simply look at what motivated Christ to do what he did, and I try to follow his example. That is the most perfect reminder, I think. Thank you so much for joining us, Carl and John. It's been beautiful having you with us. Thank You're you. You're listening to Faith FM. Stick around. We've got so much more coming up just after this. No 